0: All right, we are accepting
1: calls this hour from time travelers only. If you have traveled in time, or you are presently a traveler to this time, then we want to hear from you. Uh, otherwise, the phone lines are closed, but for that group, they are certainly open. Uh, with that in mind, uh, top of the morning to you on the wild card line. You are on the air. Hello. Hello. what's going on how's everybody doing it's the infinite fringe here on aftermath fm ladies and gents my name is billy ray valentine i'm very very happy to see that you haven't burned this place down since i last uh was here because you know i can't trust any of you okay i just can't you guys will burn the whole place down just like you did three months ago you thought i forgot about that shit i did not anyway like i said my name is billy ray valentine i have a good friend here with me today ladies and gents uh, expert researcher the dude himself your thoughts are not your own ladies and gentlemen because they're not and neither are mine mr neil sanders is here what is going on sir how you doing
0: i'm very well thank you billy ray thank you uh, thank you very much for inviting me back
1: oh man no thank you for 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 coming on you know how much uh <laughs> all right i'm gonna tell you why i'm laughing right now you you, you know how much I, I i enjoy your work right but that brought me back to you ever seen the princess bride yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so when uh, this, I, I don't know the name of the characters, but there's the dude that he's a mad scientist and he's got, um, you know, the 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 Wesley. He's got him down in that tree or whatever. He's sucking the time yeah, out. Yeah, he's of it. gonna do all this stuff, and and he's he tells um, Richard Lewis is uh, Richard Lewis tells him oh, is that Richard? Yeah, no, that's Robert Hermitat. I'm screwing it up. But he tells the king. He goes, uh, "Hey, you're gonna stick around." And he's and the king goes. You know how much I like to, to watch you work, but, and then he starts saying all this other stuff. He's like, I got a, I got a, what is it? I got a princess to kill and other people to blame for it. I, I'm swamped. It just brought me right back to that. I don't know why. Most people won't get that, but, I, and I butchered the shit out of it, trying to explain it, but whatever, man. Neil, what is going on, man? How are you, man? What, what's, what's the deal? What's new with you? Tell us.
0: Yeah, uh, well, I'm pretty bored uh, because basically this craft is just dragging on out um, in the UK. And unfortunately, you know, it's tedious and I understand people's frustrations and stuff like that. I'm still of the opinion that basically everybody's seem to be their their anger and their frustration, which I totally get, is directed in the wrong way. They're, they're basically they're, they're attacking the sort of the measures and they should be attacking the government because it's my strong belief that basically... This could have been, I mean, you can look at it, right, okay, Australia and New Zealand, they're having concerts, they're having like full festivals and stuff like that. You know you know what we're yeah. having? We're having closed barbers, so I look a bloody state, <laughs> okay, that's, that's what we're having, right, okay, and it's ridiculous because none of this was necessary, none of this should have happened, this should have been sorted out before we went into the lockdown last year. Uh, and the reason I, I don't think they did was because I think that the UK, the USA, Sweden, and Brazil pursued a strategy um, of herd immunity on the sly. I, I think that they went against the scientists. and I think they're actually going against what is being publicly broadcast as as, as their tactics. And I think that this was to appease their donors and the donors are essentially the oil and the petrochemical industry and all the sort of surrounding industries, you know, the sort of refinery industries, motor trade, air travel, that sort of thing. Because essentially their donors, who are people like the Barclay brothers, the Rothschilds, the Cokes, they wanted you. They don't want you locked down. Right. They want you at work. They want you on the road. They want you. They certainly want people um internationally travelling by 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 plane which is why essentially the uk has still not shut down the UK. we're a year into this and we have 8000 people coming into the country every single day through the airports because well the only logical reason is because somebody in the air industry basically said we don't want the want it shut down And so but it gets worse, Billy Ray, mate, like to promote this and promote public support for the idea of herd immunity or the Or to undermine the other strategies like the lockdown and masks and stuff like that, they created, the government created and the 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 government's donors created and promoted the majority of theories that basically we're hearing. All these ideas that COVID isn't real or that it's just the flu or that it's not that that serious or that hospitals were empty or that the tests don't work or that it was doctors and nurses murdering people or that not as many people died as any normal year. that masks are pointless all of that was promoted by the uk treasury department the uk behavioral insight unit which is the nudge unit and all the media outlets conveniently owned by the exact same tory gop donors so that's people like the murdochs the rothmers the barclay brothers the Kochs, and these would be like um, the the outlets would be the spectator spike talk radio uh, off Guardian, Lockdown Skeptics, Fox, The Express, The Daily Mail, The Telegraph, uh, Sky News Australia, um, America Online News, anything through rebel media, all of that sort of stuff, right. which has basically been promoting these same theories. And for some reason, these exact same theories have been picked up by a lot of the old media that, you know, we're still hearing the stuff that basically COVID isn't real. It's just the flu, blah, 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 blah. Why? Why has this been done? I'll tell you for why. It's for two reasons, right? And neither of them are very fun, right? (laughs) The first reason is because basically what I described, those donors don't want the economy, which essentially means the oil industry, they don't want it shutting down. They don't want people not using their products. they want people ignoring the advice, they want people uh, going to work on the roads using uh, air travel, etc, etc, etc. And two, and this is the worst part of it, right okay? because and this is where the nudge unit came in. Because if you're doubting the severity of this, if you're basically saying, oh, the government's hyping this up, the government's lying about figures, these tests aren't accurate, not so many people are ill, certainly not so many people died, then that means that you're going to start questioning, well, did 150,000 people die in the UK? Did 500,000 people die in, in, uh, in America? I don't think they did. I think it's much lower. You know what you're doing when you do that? You're giving the government an alibi you're giving them a get out clause and that's the sad tragedy of this that all this covid denial and, and anti-covid anti-masks it's just been seeded into the alternative media and into the mainstream as well right. because it gives the government an alibi and the reason it gives the government an alibi is because that's exactly what it was designed to do because it came from the nudge Unit.
1: wow man um and, you know, you, you've said similar things in the past, but I, I haven't heard many people take it that way. But it makes sense. Right. If you stop to think about it for a little bit, like we are, in essence, in the alternative media and all const- you know, the, the mainstream is going to do what the mainstream does. Right. We're supposed to be different. So in essence, we are providing an alibi for the government in a lot of ways. Right. When absolutely. Right. And, and if you look at it in that fashion, if you, if you start, if you stop and shift your paradigm and, and look at it in down that road things start mm. to shape a little bit differently and and you start to Which see get a clearer it? picture of things go ahead sir
0: we're defending them we're saying basically no no more people died than normal no all those people they weren't let down by cronyism and a massive lack of interest from the government and you know an attempt to go for herd immunity which I attempt to prove shortly no 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 this is all nonsense it's all hype to get us into the lockdown and that totally misses the ball because he basically you're excusing the government for allowing those people to die you are literally providing them with a defense and, and it's horrible um, and and i understand how or why people were tricked into it but it's still horrible and it's still true that basically all of this nonsense it really is just feeding into this this mudding of the waters that was intentionally created by the government to make make you doubt that they did such a bad job hmm. um, and and the thing is like right, Right. What's happened? What's actually happened in the UK? Whilst we're moaning about having to wear masks and stuff like that and the potential that maybe we should pr- perhaps prove that we haven't got an infectious disease before we travel internationally. Like, instead of that, what like, we're moaning about that. Instead, we should be moaning about the cronyism. We've got a track and trace system that costs the UK taxpayer 37 billion, billion with a B, 37 billion pounds. And it doesn't work. Right it doesn't work like it's just they, they can't even explain how they've spent that much that's how corrupt the uk government is at the minute we literally do not care we've got like um, uh, the 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 the, the priti patel spending seventy eight thousand pounds on getting our eye our, our eyebrows shaped our prime minister at the minute is spending over a hundred thousand pounds on some woman that he's nailing behind his pregnant girlfriend's back who's He's also nailing some other violinists at the same time. And he got his current girlfriend pregnant behind his wife's back, who was in hospital undergoing chemotherapy, right? This has been something like again, a, a separate to the track and trace, a billion pounds has been wasted, sent, like trying to get inadequate PPE from people like Matt Hancock, who's the who's the health secretary's landlord, the landlord of his local pub, somehow managed to get a contract for PPE. Dyson, who are just so happen to be Tory donors, who make vacuum cleaners, somehow managed to get a massive contract for um, uh, making ventilators, none of these things end up working. All this money's just being p- away, um, and that's the, the. And at the same time, they're running the NHS into the ground, like priming it for privatisation. And these are the things that we really should be focused on. But instead, we're moaning about other things. And I'll tell you for why, mate. It's grounded in, in in two fundamental misconceptions that I am astonished a year into this that we're still seeing and are still being repeated because the most Cursory Google search will prove these to be utter, utter rubbish. Right. One, that, that, that the virus still hasn't been isolated, which is just not true. Okay. Now, some people would be saying like, well, um, what about the Freedom of Information Act? People like Piers Corbin sent out a Freedom of Information Act to various um, uh, agencies saying, show us this isolated virus. All right. There's several reasons that didn't work. One, you don't need to send a Freedom of Information Act for something that is in the public domain, which that that information was. Two, they sent it to places that don't hold that information. And three, they they asked for something that was impossible. They they said, we want it isolated, but not in the sense of isolated by scientific parlance, not where you culture it on um, uh, another cell and, and present it. We mean isolated in the common usage parlance, meaning nothing else there. And it's like, viruses don't work like that. Viruses are inert without a cell. What you're essentially asking for there is music without the aid of a person, instrument, or mechanical device. I just want you to make music come out of thin air. Mm. Well, I can't. Oh, well, then music obviously doesn't exist. (laughs) That's bullshit. It's utter, utter bullshit. And, And furthermore, it's a con man's trick that you would even attempt to do that and pass that off. The irony of it was... Basically, nine times out of 10, these places saw through it. There was, there was one to a person that I know whose name I won't mention, but it's on his website. He said, see, they don't have it. And in the response, they said, no, we don't have it, but these people have it. In fact, we'll, we'll get it for you. Wow. And they sent him in the link to the response, the experiment that showed them isolating the virus in Edinburgh. And just nobody bothered to check that link. Like, so it's ridiculous, man. The, the other thing the main thing is the pcr test the idea that the pcr test isn't used or should never be used to um, detect viruses or infectious illnesses and i always say to say well what is it for then because that's what it says it's for on the patent, and that's exactly what it's been used for for the last 35 years. Mari Povich is going to have a lot of angry customers on his like watch, right? Okay, if we're going to find out now that the PCR device is useless, it's used ubiquitously for anything to do with where you basically need to find RNA or DNA. And what gets me is it's based on two, two, again, misunderstandings. Let's just do the first one first. It's only finding genetic material. It's only finding genetic material. It's like, do you know what genetic material is? Genetic material is RNA or DNA, right? Can you know what's special about RNA or DNA, right? It's unique. Every single thing on the planet has a unique Code. So when you're saying like, oh, did we find? It's only finding genetic material. It's only detecting the unique genome of things. Like what? That's ridiculous. That's exactly what it's supposed to do. It's as silly as saying like, it, it, like, was there any evidence that this poor girl was raped? Oh no, none at all. I'm afraid, none at all oh except for some bloke's dna there was some bloke's dna but that's just genetic material that's just genetic material i mean you know it's found in cider but it's just <laughs> genetic material right and the they, and the second one that they always pull out right okay is the um carrie mullis the inventor of the pcr test saying oh it doesn't mean that you're ill it, it doesn't mean that you're sick you can if you dial it up enough you can find literally anything in it and it's like no, you can't. A for a start. He's being figurative, right? You can't. You couldn't find my DNA in um in, in that wall behind you, say Billy Ray, could you? Of course you couldn't. You if know, that was me, the case. Let me jump
1: in here uh, real quick on that, right? I, I and you can know, correct me if I'm wrong. Um and, and I I will sum up some of what you said and, and and uh and ask you some questions later on. But um yeah. yeah. when I saw that clip, because it's been all over the alternative media as proof, right? So when I saw that clip, I just took it as as him saying you can find anything, as long as it's in your body. <laughs> you know, like as long as it's well, in there. There is that. Right.
0: That that is the point. You know, so that's the, the way the, I yes. took
1: it. You know, like it, it seemed very common sense to me, but people are saying that you can find anything. Anything. You know? Exactly. It, right. Go ahead.
0: He's speaking figuratively. And and again, like with anything, context is vitally important for understanding what's happening there. Like, right, there's, there's two points. One, Carrie Mullis was hugely, hugely bitter about the PCR device because when he invented it, although he won the Nobel Prize, the company that he worked for took the lion's share of the money for it. And so he felt that he was stiffed. And so he was really angry that this was such a successful device. And also later, for whatever reason, he decided that he was opposed to the theory that HIV caused AIDS. He actually um, subscribed to the Peter Duersberg theory that AIDS was caused by the permissive gay lifestyle and that if you are straight, you can't get it. And it's nothing to do with HIV. And he was particularly annoyed that his invention was being used to prove that actually HIV was the direct you know precursor to uh aids and so in that particular clip he's being asked how come in every single aids patient that i've ever examined hiv was present and so he's saying well you can find it doesn't mean that it's connected you can is is basically what he's saying now again there's several things about this right okay who gives a shit what he says right okay if Steve Jobs on his deathbed said iPhones don't work, does that mean that you're not going to be able to swipe left on Tinder anymore? Of course it doesn't. <laughs> it still exists Just because he said it, it doesn't yeah. like, oh, job, throw it away then. That was a waste of 500 quid. Like, it's not how it works. Show me some experiment that shows that the PCR it doesn't work, not what some embittered person said. And I'll, I'll tell you something else, but I told you before, okay, um at this time Carrie Mullis had made a friend. Um um someone that used to visit him behind the, the shack that he used to live in. It was a raccoon, a day glow raccoon, a glow in the dark raccoon that addressed him as Dr. Mullis and spoke to him in perfect English and explained <laughs> quite sensibly that this raccoon was from outer space. It, it was obvious, isn't it? It wouldn't be a, an earth raccoon no, speaking it can't, it can't be, English, it can't would it? <laughs> Ridiculous. So it's obvious that he's from out of space. So I'm just going to suggest that although he's a very brilliant man, Carry Mullis could be prone to being wrong or a little bit wacky. Like, show me an experiment that shows that the PCR test doesn't work. Don't, don't just come up with a statement, because a statement means nothing. Now, some people might be going on about Michael Yeadon now. Michael Yeadon is the, the man who said, the 90 to 93% false positives. Michael Yeadon basically used to work for Pfizer. He was, he was involved in allergy research, nothing to do with epidemiology or virology. And he will openly admit that he's never used a PCR test in his entire life. And he used a statistical trick, basically, to come up with that 93%. What he said was basically, well, hang on, Uh, I've noticed that the Office of National Statistics says it's 1% of the population. But if you go to testing centres, more than that are coming out um, positive, which means that they must be false positives. And he goes, no, it doesn't mean that. It means that basically the people who are going to testing centres have got symptoms. It works by logic that you would get a higher percentage at uh, testing centers than the overall average of the entire country. Right. So on that premise, he said they're 90% is nonsense. It's, just, it's nonsense. There's literally nothing to back it up. And furthermore, you can disprove it within a second. If PCR tests were 90% false positive, then every single place would have 90% test rates as positive. In fact, I'll take it a step further it would be impossible to find anywhere where you had a zero COVID rate. And, yeah, New Zealand's had zero COVID for, for months. Mm. How can you have that if the test is 90% false positive? You can't. Right. Essentially, Michael Eden made it up because he's a liar connected to Coke Industries and um, Cambridge Analytica, mm. uh, and he's also a nasty old racist, and lots of other stuff. But we'll, we'll, but, but we'll get into that as we as we uh, sort of uh, work work through it, man.
1: So I want to talk to you a little bit about a couple of things right And and um, yeah a, a lot of people that are going to be listening to this are are going to feel differently right cross. they're going to they're going to feel differently about about the PCR test and about the isolation of the virus I mean I you know mm-hmm. listen we can argue the PCR test all day long right but uh, about the isolation of, of of the virus it's it's a simple Google search very simple yeah. you'll find 8000 things about it just like that, you know, so I mean, uh, people use uh, syntax in order to in order to cast doubt or in order to like and enforce their position that it has not been isolated when in reality it has. But yeah, it plays absolutely. into and we'll get we'll get back on track, but it plays yeah, into the paranoia that's been built in. You, you know, we had a, a bit of a conversation off air about about Cambridge and a couple of other things, and how how a particular group was targeted because we'd be more, you know,
0: susceptible, uh, yeah. right,
1: right, to to because we're looking,
0: okay. for... Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, we look, we're looking for the, we're looking for the con, and we don't trust people. But that's again, it's like with the QAnon movement; it's been used against us. It's been used in in a very sleight of hand directional way. You basically. Right buyers again say seeming to not trust the government and seem to think that basically they're hyping up the figures they're basically think, what who benefits from that seriously who benefits from us in the truth alternative media exposing that actually no one died actually there, there really wasn't it was all a money-making scam ultimately who benefits from that It's going to be the government because basically people are like, oh, right, okay, well, because the main metric that we were holding them against was the 91,000 excess excess deaths in the UK or the 350,000 excess deaths in America. And you know what's crackers about that one, Billy Ray, as well? It's because of that, like, we achieve that level of excess deaths, and at the same time, huge amounts of other deaths like uh, road traffic accidents industrial accidents, accidents at work, sporting accidents and injuries and stuff like that, all the things that would either clog up the NHS or whereby people would die. Lots of that wasn't happening. Like, teenagers kill themselves in the thousands on the roads, particularly in the summer. And because basically, like, travel was restricted to a degree, that those deaths, thankfully, weren't happening. And yet, at the same time, we're getting this massive amount of excess deaths which proves that basically like it's they're not swapping out the, the flu and they're not swapping out this and, and they're not hiding other deaths because basically even COVID was only the third the highest cause of death in America. Uh, I think it was heart disease and cancer. Yeah. Um, so again, all of these these tropes that are put about. Oh, no, there was no no more excess. Death. There was no more deaths. It's just comparable to the flu. They, they can be checked very, very easily. And for some reason, people aren't.
1: Right. Okay. So I want to ask you, based on that, right? Um, yeah. Just did a show with Brissom, right? And 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 Jeffrey's on uh, on the COVID passports. Now I, I got to tell you, I got a bit of an issue with it. Um, just because, yeah. and I understand, I understand your position, saying you know you can't get on a plane with an infectious disease. I. Mean, I, I what's up? Yeah. Uh huh.
0: No, I can see it for international travel. I'm I'm very uncomfortable with it for domestic right.
1: use. It's a slippery slope. I think we can both agree that it's a very slippery slope. So I'm I'm i I'm, yeah. uh, I'm I'm you know um, I have an issue with it. But um, mm-hmm. uh, I did ask Brissom about the flu uh, basically disappearing. Right. I'm like, mm-hmm. well, how, why? How do we reconcile that? Right? Because the numbers are what the numbers are. So what would you say to that? Yeah.
0: Well, it, it, there's a number of things, right? One, the flu didn't completely disappear. The number that people throw at you is that was the sort of 300 odd cases in the UK. Uh, that was over the summer prior to that, which is not flu season. Prior to that, Public Health England had said that there were 7,900 and odd deaths. So up to March in 2020, there was probably about 7,000 because that gets revised down. So there's probably about 7,000 deaths from the flu. It's pretty straightforward. Why? Why the flu? Um, at, deaths subsided Uh, and there's a number of reasons one they weren't being reported because people weren't actually interested i think in canada they stopped reporting flu altogether just to focus on on covid i may be wrong about that but there were certainly some places where they did two um the, the, the fact is that COVID is more resilient than flu. Flu tends to die in cold environments, whereas COVID doesn't. Flu dies on surfaces a lot quicker than, uh, than COVID does. Flu is, is basically a lot less resilient. So basically, whilst the measures were adequate enough to sort of like mitigate the, the effects of flu, um, they weren't... Um, strong enough for, for the highly contagious uh, um, coronavirus but the main reason uh, is it's is just simple and common sense really I catch flu or some sort of flu bug usually two three times a year I'm sure everybody else does where do you catch it in the office where haven't you been right in the office that's that's literally it that's the only place I would normally catch the, a bug yeah. uh, I haven't been ill all year which like which is unusual, like you know, because you usually oh no I tell a lie I caught a bug I'd start a new job in January and caught a bug in February that mm. that sort of like you know for a couple of days since the lockdown or since we were sent home to work from home I haven't been ill at all because you're not really mixing with people.
1: Good for you, like it's a complete opposite for me. I, I never get freaking sick, and uh, once the lockdown happened, I came home, boom, got sick immediately. Like I had probably caught it from from the job that I had at the time, but, uh, that's when I got <laughs> night, sick, night. you know, I, I I think it was COVID to be honest, but I didn't go anywhere to get tested. I didn't do any of that stuff. I just wrote it out, you know, three days, four oh, days. Right. Um, I had fevers, I had a chill, I had body aches, the whole freaking deal. Um, yeah. and, uh, you know, I don't get any of that stuff. Like I said, for years, I don't, I don't get, I don't get sick. I haven't, I hadn't ran a fever in forever, but I, I'll get, you know, a stuffy nose and a throat thing. And, and, but, but, to that degree that that I had that um, during, uh, I think it was late April, early March. I had never seen it before. I hadn't seen it in years, I mean. And then mm. what happened, what, what makes me think it was COVID was the mm. lethargicness for the next three weeks. I was fine. Really? But I was tired. Like I, I had to, literally, I'd be sitting here talking to you and then I'm like, you know, Neil, I got to go to sleep. And I went and that's not like me at all. You know, and I, I went to sleep. Huh. It took me about three weeks to get over that. And, and finally, I was like, OK, I'm, I'm, I'm back to normal. But that's what I thought mm. was, was going on regardless. So we, we got the PCR test, right, that people are, yeah, are yeah. casting all types of doubt upon, in particular here in, 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 the, in the alternative media. And, of course, the isolation of the virus. People still to this day claiming that it has not been isolated. Right. And and what I would say and then I'm going to let Neil get back on track. Well, what I would say is. We we need to realize that even though we are informed to a certain degree on a PCR test and on a on a, on a virus isolation or virology in general, everybody became a little bit more informed on viruses ever since did hit, this hit. I'm listening to a virus podcast now. Right. Just because. Right. Like I, I want to know, but I didn't know before. And that still doesn't mean that I know anything about freaking virology. Right, It means that I can have a conversation, a very basic one, with somebody about viruses. That's what it means. We don't know the ins and outs. But here in the alternative media, we're thinking that we're virologists at some point. We're like, okay, yeah, man, PCR test doesn't work. Come on. You know the, 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 And then they start just spouting out a bunch of stuff. We have no idea what we're talking about. Didn't even know what a PCR test was until April you know, or, or something, April or, or May and And all of a sudden, we become authorities on this stuff it, that's just not or, or we parrot what some doctor said that it may not even be his area, but it sounds like something we want to hear. So we take it and we parrot it. That's just my take on it this is this is this is the way I'm looking at it, and and uh, that's why I try to stay away from saying, "Yeah, the PCR test is false or something I'm, I' you know what? not my area. I think it works, not my area though, okay so if if that's a fault in me, that's fine. I'll take that fault. But I'm not going to go ahead and act like I, I'm an expert on these things because I am not. What I what I do want to be is completely transparent and honest with you instead of telling you, hey, this doesn't work. I don't know if it does. Anyway, go ahead, Neil. Take it away, buddy.
0: Cool. Right. So um, and I agree. I agree with you 100% there, man. Like yeah. Right. So that's my thesis then, that basically the U.S. and UK government went for herd immunity against the advice of um, their uh, scientists. And they did this purely because basically that's what their donors wanted in the petrochemical, oil and air industry, because they really didn't want a lockdown. And a lot of people are going to be going like, this is nonsense. This is all about vaccines and all about lockdowns and all about like, you know, destroying small businesses. I, and you know what's really horrible is I just think all those are, 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 are a byproduct of them just not giving a shit about us, frankly. Right. I, I think that all of those things are problems and I think they're, they're real and need to be addressed. But I don't think that they were the, the, the intention or they just didn't care. So what I've done is I've broken down a timeline which basically I think shows that it's pretty... I think this is pretty convincing that the UK government went for herd immunity. So... Let's so, just catch so like, that real
1: quick what herd immunity is before we jump right, in for sorry, somebody yeah, that doesn't point. know. Go ahead, man.
0: Yes, sorry. Herd immunity is this idea that's been proffered around that basically we can, as a population, get um, a natural immunity to this disease. And and this can happen, basically, Uh, but it doesn't look like it can with this because it basically kills people. And so the idea has been put around uh, that there was no need to lock down. There was no need for masks. There's no need for social distancing. What we could have done instead um, is we could have taken everybody who's vulnerable to this, the elderly people with diseases, people with respiratory problems, people with long-term health problems, um, and all of their families, obviously, as well, and all of their families' families, and all of the people who work with them and all the people that they rely on to stay alive. We could take all of those people and like a sort of, disabled royal sister we could wall them up and pretend that they don't exist whilst the rest of us get on with our lives basically and I know that sounds a bit like eugenics because it is but let's just like get past that for a second (laughs) so we're all out here like having our wonderful time going to Glastonbury and getting immune to uh, the virus now aside from the fact that this hasn't happened anywhere because it doesn't look like this virus for whatever reason is the type that that can naturally Occur. Um, but let's just pretend that that did happen, that in the entire population, so everybody's now immune to it. We can still get it, we can still pass it on, uh, but we're immune to it. It's not really going to cause us any serious problems. It's basically like the flu. The flaw with that plan is you see all those people that we isolated, the elderly, the vulnerable, all their families and stuff like that, they still can't come out because not only are they still vulnerable. And susceptible to the virus but now the virus is ubiquitous in society so they can't see anybody because they're gonna die so it logistically that doesn't work now that idea again was originally put out by the, the HM Treasury and and various uh, donors to the GOP and to the, the Tory party but that is what herd immunity is now America, um, the uh, UK and Sweden swear blind that that's not what they went for. They didn't go for that in order to appease their donors. They went very sensibly, very hard with lockdown and every mitigation thing that they could actually do. Okay, but I'm going to go through a timeline that basically is a little lengthy, but it will show that that's utter nonsense right. and it will give you an indication as to actually what they were doing right. so let's cast our mind back to um time ago when you didn't have to wear masks and you could hug a person and spit in their face if you really felt like it <laughs> february 2020 <laughs> right when wuhan was just a thing that buster Rhymes used to say um <laughs> boris johnson <laughs> made a speech to the tory party donors and he said this right he said Global growth is itself anemic and the decline in global poverty is beginning to slow and in that context we're starting to hear some bizarre autoarctic rhetoric when barriers are going up and when there is a risk that new diseases such as coronavirus will trigger a panic and a desire for market segregation that goes beyond what is medically rational to the point of doing real and unnecessary economic damage. Then at that moment, humanity needs some government somewhere that is willing at least to make the case powerfully for freedom of exchange. And he went on to say that the UK would be the country that was ready to take off his Clark Kent spectacles and leap into the phone booth and emerge with its cloak flowing as the supercharged champion. I know what everyone's thinking and you're absolutely right. Yes, he's a twat and he talks like a twat. But basically what he's saying is that don't worry shareholders. We're not going to shut down the economy. Your money is, frankly, more important to us than the general health of the nation, and that is, is literally what what he's saying. Also, in February of 2020, it was revealed that the government advisor Dominic Cummings, who's connected to Cambridge Analytica and Vote Leave, um, and who basically was a policy advisor to to, um, uh, to to the government at the time, had stated, "Herd immunity protect the economy." And if that means that some pensioners die, too bad. And this was reported in a number of newspapers, including the Financial Times, who were basically trying to sell the idea that the government were going for herd immunity. Um, and this was confirmed by a source within uh, Downing Street who said the acceptance that the disease would inevitably spread widely across British society but could be managed meant that Britain did not immediately announce tough social distancing measures and had a limited testing regime. And Dominic Cummings supported the policy 100%. And this was exactly the same time that there was a government policy to move 20,000 COVID patients, all who still had the disease, out of hospitals and into care homes in the UK. And the policy stated no one was to be tested, no PPE was to be provided, no tests were to be provided, and if anybody in the entire institution um, showed symptoms at all, then the entire institution was to be locked down, which ultimately meant that everybody in that care home would catch uh, Covid. Now by massive coincidence enough pensioners died so that the government by the middle of last year had saved themselves 600 million pounds from the annual pension part now they they've buggered that money away in other ways but for a time they they saved that amount of money and that just is indicative of the amount of old people that they allowed to die with this this policy did they do that on purpose i don't know but i i struggle to believe that they didn't realize what would happen so What the government does is it gets this, our scientific advisory board called SAGE, they're they're brought in to start basically advising people and they say things like we should shut the borders, we should stop people traveling outside of local uh, areas and we should probably even entertain a lockdown to eradicate the disease and completely get rid of it so that we could just get back to normal. And this is what New Zealand and Vietnam and South Korea and various other places um, were doing, or Japan was doing a, a different method. But essentially, they still shut the borders and, and were, were taking this seriously. Okay, And they've fared rather well. We, we haven't. Now, what was strange was that there were several people who were involved in, these, in this SAGE group that really shouldn't have been there. Dominic Cummings uh, and his mate, also from Vote Leave, connected to Cambridge Analytica, uh, Ben Warner. For no apparent reason they were on the SAGE Board, along with uh, Patrick Vallance of the UK's Behavioural Insight, the Nudge Unit, which is essentially the Mind Control Unit, Mm. and David Halpern, also of the Nudge Unit. For some reason, these people were overseeing the SAGE, the scientific meetings, and they were influencing policy, making sure that the government went against the advice that was given by the scientists. Uh, And so basically, Ben Warner announced on the 27th of February that the the government strategy was going to be herd immunity and the SAGE updated its assumptions for a reasonable worst case scenario. It said 80% of the UK population may become infected with an overall 1% fatality rate, uh, but only a proportion of those infected will experience symptoms. And This proved to be dramatically incorrect. On the 3rd of March, Boris Johnson announced on television that he'd be going to COVID ward, shaking hands with uh, everybody that he'd seen. Um, on the 5th of March, I know, crazy, isn't it? He, very shortly after that, caught COVID, can you believe? On the 5th <laughs> no, of March... you don't say. <laughs> yeah,
1: how did that go down?
0: Well, well, actually, like there was some debate as to whether he did caught, catch COVID or whether he was being forcibly told to dry out because the the um, the rumor that flies around is that Boris Johnson is a bottle of whiskey a day man, mm. and uh, and so it's very difficult to say whether he was basically just looking hanging because he had COVID or looking hanging because he's he's going through the DTS. But uh, you know, it, it's probably a little from Column A and a little from Column B to be quite honest, but. Two days later, on the 5th of March, uh, Robert Peston, who's a reporter who works for The Spectator, um, which is owned by uh, the Tory donors, the Barclay brothers, revealed that the government strategy was to allow the virus to pass through the entire population. And on the same day, Boris Johnson appeared on a television programme called This Morning to tell Philip Schofield that one of the theories is that perhaps you could take it on the chin, so to speak, take it all in one go, uh, and again, allow the virus to to pass through society. So he's advocating herd immunity. And on the very same day, the minutes taken from the SAGE meeting confirmed that the government decided to adopt the approach. And uh, during the meeting, um, Dominic Cummings, Ben Warner, and David Halpin of the Nudge Unit uh, were in attendance. Um, On March the 11th, David Halpin of the Nudge Unit appeared on BBC Radio saying that the plan was to cocoon the vulnerable and to allow the rest of the population to achieve herd immunity. Um, Now, the problem was on the very same day, basically um, uh, the 11th of March, the World Health Organization declared COVID-19 to be a worldwide pandemic. and. So the public started getting a bit itchy for this. And basically Jenny Harris, who's the deputy chief medical officer for England, she came out and said, don't panic. The government's got it all in hand. Outdoor events can still go ahead. And that week there were two major sporting events that turned out to be super spreader events. One, Liverpool FC played Real Madrid uh, and two, A quarter of a million people attended the Cheltenham Festival. And what the Cheltenham Festival is, is essentially a a horse race. Mm. Now, by strange coincidence, Matt Hancock, who is the health secretary, received a a payment of £370,000.00 from the organizers of the Cheltenham Festival, never explain what that's for, and Dido Harding, who's the woman who's behind the 37 billion pound failed track and trace, well her husband just so happens to be a member of the Jockey Club, which is the organization that owns the Cheltenham Festival, but I'm sure there's no nepotism or cronyism going on there. On the same day basically Patrick Whitty uh, of Sage announced that the government had not bought any tests and were not getting any extra uh, PPE and that they weren't going to bother testing anybody, anybody at all, unless they were admitted to hospital. Again, this, this is not the strategy of somebody that is trying to contain a virus. This is the strategy of somebody that wants it to run rampant. Also, uh, on, the, on the March the 13th, Patrick Vallance appeared on the television to defend the government strategy, which he described as herd immunity. And he also appeared in the iNews newspaper uh, saying that herd immunity was the best strategy for the government to pursue. Government advisor Nick Finn also appeared on Channel 4, which is a TV show, a TV station in the UK to discuss herd immunity, saying, well, herd immunity is the situation where you get so many people in the population to develop an immunity to a disease that there's no opportunity for the disease to actually become established and spread to lots of people. Normally, we do that with a vaccine, but you can do that naturally, of course, if a disease has not been introduced before, affects a large number of people. And that's really how herd immunity in the UK would develop. And on the same day, some might say this was damning, uh, but, you know, Boris Johnson has just simply denied this happened. On the 13th of March, and this, you remember, it was when Italy was in a real mess, like people were, were really, really struggling in Italy. Right, right, right. Boris Johnson spoke to the Italian Prime Minister, Giuseppe Conte, and also their Health Minister, uh, Paolo Soleri. And both of them have, con- have confirmed in numerous interviews that uh, Boris Johnson basically uh, said that on that phone call that they were going for herd immunity. And it was a further 10 days before we actually locked down. And in that time, Boris Johnson refused to advise people to shut pubs, refused to advise people to shut hairdressers and things like that. So nobody knew when the last time they could get a drink or the last time they could go to the cinema or the last time they could get a haircut was. So for that week. Basically, all of these establishments were absolutely rammed. And again, this turned out to be a super spreader uh, event. Now, again, we we know from notes that have been taken from the minutes of the SAGE meetings that the the plan to um, uh, go for herd immunity was still in place right up until the end of April. Um, a series of minute meetings from this period show that Sage belatedly concealed that there was no evidence pointing to high levels of population immunity at this stage in the pandemic, and that it was unclear that it was unclear how long immunity lasted. And therefore, the idea of opening up the economy via mass distributing of immunity passports for people recovered from the coronavirus was premature. So basically, like. They're saying that they really shouldn't be opening up. them. In fact, we should be taking it a bit more seriously that, that perhaps the messaging isn't very clear, uh, that, that people are confused about how the virus works, confused about what is allowed and what isn't allowed. And this, this is all absolutely true. Um, so on March the 24th, so this is the day after the lockdown. Right. The Financial Times suggested that basically the country had already acquired substantial herd immunity through its unrecognized spread of COVID-19. Right. And it said that the government, it said that if this was true, this would vindicate the government's unofficial herd immunity strategy. And to back this up, they the, the, the Times showed this paper that had come out of uh, a um, sort of think tank of scientists from Oxford, not connected to Oxford University, but from Oxford. And this became known as the Oxford paper. And this is where we first heard of people like Carol Sikora and um, Sunitra Gupta specifically, they were suggesting that uh, lockdowns weren't necessary, vaccines weren't necessary, masks weren't necessary, social distancing wasn't necessary, and that herd immunity had already uh, been achieved. And if it hadn't already been achieved, it would be achieved very, very quickly. Um, Now, the problem is that this, this Oxford paper, where all of these ideas, which again were seized by the alternative media, (laughs) <laughs> it didn't come from Oxford University. And strangely, this paper sort of like bypassed the normal peer review process where it did come from was Sergru communications. Sirgru communications is the PR u- arm of the UK's Nudge unit. And it works with the MOD's DSTL laboratory. So it's basically it's this this concept that came out a day after the lockdown started to undermine the lockdown. Came from the government's own nudge unit.
1: Huh.
0: That's crazy, isn't it?
1: From the mind control unit themselves, man. And you made a couple of uh, of uh, connections there with Cambridge Analytica, and we all know
0: and I've got pages to go. Mate, but like, <laughs> it <gets much> worse. <laughs> hey,
1: hey, real quick, real quick. Before, and I want you to get there. But um, I, I was looking up while you were talking. Um, the last time you and I spoke because I know it broke the top 10 of shows that I've done it's at number 5 oh, cool. um, I, I, got a, sweet. I, I got a big reaction for it you know people agreed disagreed you know but, but it got a big reaction uh, regardless we just hit a million downloads here uh, I just noticed it so thank you everyone who's listening a million downloads uh, when I, I did my first episode I had 30 downloads that's what i had and uh, we kept going hey neil thank you for everything you've done you've been here what, how many times four times already i don't know i don't know you've been here so many times Bro, it's incredible yeah. um so thank you very much a million downloads man i'm happy about it just saw it and you're number 5 there so on uh, on uh, the top downloaded shows i've ever had so man thank you very much buddy
0: oh, that's astonishing oh no you should be really pleased with it. that's brilliant <laughs> <coughs> right so sadly This idea that was put out the day after lockdown started, eventually started after being delayed, came from the mind control unit. And the article in the Financial Times basically Mm. said, although some experts have shed doubt on the strength and length of the human immune response to the virus... Professor Sanita Gupta said the emerging evidence made her confident that humanity would build up herd immunity against COVID-19. She basically became a really prominent voice in the sort of COVID denial. And she's been claiming that we've had herd immunity periodically ever since the, the disease came about, really. On April the 15th, the very first anti-lockdown protest was held in Michigan, uh, in Michigan, USA. Uh, It transpires that this lockdown, um, this lockdown protest was organized by Coke Industries and the DeVos Family and the Heritage Foundation. And they weren't even shy about letting you know about this. Now, this is where, again, I don't understand why people don't have this. This, sort of this this understanding. Coke Industries and the DeVos family and the, the Heritage Foundation, they do not give a shit about you. They do not care about you, but they do care about... Their, you know, their money and their their oil refinery businesses and and everything that would be affected if essentially the economy was slowed by lockdowns. So it's these big businesses who just so happen to be donors to the Tory Party and the GOP that are uh, basically fermenting this idea that all of these measures are are, are unnecessary. Simultaneously, there's the campaign, remember the film, the hospitals campaign. Um, that, as, as we know, was basically started by Council for National Policy member um, Jason Jones. And basically, again, all of these people are in some way connected to the nexus of donors to the Conservative Party or the, the, the Republicans in, in America. And I'll tell you for why. Because at the end of uh, April, the oil industry had a, a, a real scare. For the first time in living memory, oil went into negative pricing which meant for a couple of days, the oil industry had to pay people to take oil off their hands because nobody was using it. Because of the fear of the lockdown and the the fear that basically everything was going to shut down, oil went into negative equity. And that is exactly, exactly why just shortly after that, they undermined the lockdown and basically just brought everybody out of it. Um, So the... um, Right, I'll tell you what else happened as well, exactly at the same time in early May. A chap called Simon Dolan comes on the the mm. uh, uh, scene, right. right? Simon Dolan, multi-millionaire tax exile, lives in Monaco. Uh, just so happens to be hard Brexit because for some reason this hard Brexit line runs through this like you know like like a stick of rock basically. Right. Uh, and what he did was he got hard Brexit lawyer connected to Vote Leave and tangentially Cambridge Analytica Dominic Hoare to fight the League of the lockdown and basically this guy is such an obvious con man right he's worth 200 million quid and he crowdsourced this he crowdsourced 70 grand for a case that he knew was going to go nowhere that basically just built up his profile and um and put 70 grand into the coffers of the already incredibly wealthy francis hall like do you know what um and and you'll never guess right He's totally anti-lockdown and totally anti-mask, Simon Dolan. Do you know what he was doing in in February of of, uh, of 2020?
1: What was he doing?
0: He was trying to sell his masks to the UK government. Oh. Yeah. He basically was trying to get a PPE contract. I've got the pictures. I've got the tweets that he sent out boasting about it. And he got turned down. (laughs) And very shortly after that, within a week... He went from being a pro-mask advocate that was trying to get a contract selling masks to the uk government to being an anti-lockdown stalwart. my god almost as if he had some sort of childish vendetta against the government
1: uh, people don't have those anymore you know it's a
0: bit like it's a bit weird as well because he's he produced renegade you know the david ike film get out of here serious wow like okay and and I think, I don't think that's a slight against David. I think this is one of these examples that I've been talking about for ages of the alt right and this Brexit nexus and the Coke industries lot and the CMP heritage, QAnon basically trying to infiltrate the alternative media and steer them in a particular direction. Shit, man. Like he's, he's connected to people like Mappin, and, who we could come on to, and Richard Tice. Uh, and Nigel Farage, I'll bet he appears on GB News uh, when, when that starts and, and stuff like this. It's all these same ultra, ultra rich, hardcore Brexit, free market, conservative um, people. And again, to a degree, an element of them have, have infected uh, the alternative uh, media. And I'll come on to that in a second. But the, the next thing, OK, so basically in late April, well, early May, the oil industry is going to fucking turmoil. Is going to turmoil You're because going basically, going the cost, <laughs> because <laughs> basically, that is costing them to get rid of their oil. The only so so they they they're promoting the anti-lockdown protests. Right. Some of these happen in in the UK, but the thing that really tipped it in the UK was on May, May the twenty-second, just before the May Bank holiday, um, you know, long weekend holiday that we all have. Um, it was reported that Dominic Cummings of Vote Leave advisor to the prime minister had breached the lockdown and driven to Durham whilst infected with covid um, and so this was a, the result was essentially a total undermining of the lockdown that week everyone went fuck this if he's not sticking to it I'm not sticking to it everybody decided that was it and basically so by the 22nd of may nobody was paying attention to the lockdown anymore it was a lockdown in all but name and it's been pretty much that ever since every time we've periodically locked down again Um, now you'll never guess who it was that shopped Dominic Cummings to the newspapers
1: what was that buddy
0: you'll never guess who it was that shopped Dominic Cummings to the newspapers
1: no I wouldn't who was it was Dominic Cummings (laughs)
0: Dominic Cummings shocked himself to the newspapers. We know this because when, when, when his friends were trying to defend him, because he got loads of crap for it, for basically going against the government, right. what a dishonourable man, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and his friends on Twitter said, you've got no idea how, how, um, how admirable Dominic is. Dominic felt so badly about this that he reported this to the police and the newspapers himself.
1: God. And it's like...
0: Oh, come on. He's obviously trying to basically undermine the lockdown strategy. And the best way he can do that is by basically playing again the heel. He's doing one of these wrestling things where basically the ultimate result was everybody just decided that the lockdown was um, uh, was no good. Right. And so basically then that was it until for the summer. There was no lockdown. The pubs were open. Social distancing was coming in and we were suggesting that we should be wearing masks. But basically it was kind of tickling along uh, right up until the point when we sent uh, the students back. But I'll come on to that in a minute. In August and September 2020, there were several anti-lockdown protests that were put on in Trafalgar Square in, in, in London, in the UK. Um, now, These were arranged with the help of John Mappin. John Mappin is the QAnon guy who owns Camelot TV. Uh, And he also just so happens to be... Neil,
1: hold that thought right there. QAnon guy, we're going to get right back on it. I got to say goodbye to the people at Aftermath Media. I have an hour and then I'm out. You're going to keep going for the podcast and we're going to get it all in. But for the people at Aftermath Media, thank you uh, for tuning in this week. Neil, tell them where they can find you
0: um uh, neil sanders uh, or you can find me on uh facebook
1: beautiful there you go um
0: ah, cool cool all right cool all right well we'll go with the podcast then cool so basically the, these um trafalgar square so the, the uh, and people have seen them these are the ones with pierce corbin and david appeared and kate shemrani was there and uh, uh various other like loathsome characters not not that uh, david's loathsome but like the rest of them are and um yeah, basically, this was put on by John Mappin of Turning Point UK. That that not only is he Camelot TV and uh, a big Q and promoter, he's Turning Point UK. What's Turning Point? It's the PR arm of Coke Industries. That's literally what what Turning Point is. It, it, it's, it's Coke Industries. Wow. Uh, and so, again, Coke Industries put on this anti-lockdown protest and they put it on with. Now, this is where it gets mental, right, OK, because they were also helped by a group called the English Democrats. Right. The English Democrats is a racist, hard right, hard Brexit, Brexit political organization that hates Anybody that's not a straight white Christian male, basically, they—they're they, really, really nasty set of people. And uh, you'll never guess who's a, a member of the English Democrats, Vernon Coleman. You know that apparently lovely old bloke that sits in the uh, chair, lying about shit for money. Like he basically is uh, a member of this racist. Um, Ver- um, Ver- political Vernon
1: Coleman, the doctor. Position.
0: That's him. The one that thinks AIDS doesn't exist and wants to privatise the NHS. He's written books about how he wants to privatise the NHS. That's why he he repeats these bullshit lies. Mm -hmm. He repeats these bullshit lies like basically it's just the flu. Nobody's died. Blah, blah, blah. Covid. You can't get it. Asymptomatic. Literally every single thing he said about the the virus has been a provable lie. Why? Because he's connected to English Democrats who basically connected with this anti-lockdown shite and because he's got uh, this thing against the um, the NHS. He, he hates the NHS and he wants the NHS to be privatised. He's not shy about that. He wants the, the, us to have an American privatised um, uh, medical system. Uh, and that, again, is going to be, you know, which is connected to Brexit. That was the whole point of the, uh, the trade deal. And this is ultimately going to be the result of, of them driving the NHS into the ground. You never guess who else was involved in putting on these uh, these um, things in Trafalgar Square.
1: And you got a ton of them. <laughs> <gosh>. <laughs> Go ahead. Buddy. The, the Church of Scientology,
0: who just so happened to be incredibly like involved with with Trump, because mm-hmm. basically, again, this is another point, right, Kate? Okay, is you've got to remember, like, if COVID's not as bad as they make it out, Trump did better than we thought he did. The British government is better than they thought we did. So some of the anti-Covid stuff is literally just playing, running defense for Trump and the government.
1: Now, wasn't Scientology somehow involved with some of these rallies out in the, in the out in the UK over by you?
0: That's it. That's This is what I'm saying. Right. It was a, ja- a bloke called John Carlton. Well, yeah. John Mappin's a Scientologist, the, the guy from uh, Turning Point UK. Um but what happened was, basically, I found out that the, fi- the guy who'd arranged the finance through Stand Up X was a bloke called John Carlton. And I had a tiny dig into his background and found out that he was the chief financial officer for this company that did 5G stuff. right? And because a large part of the, the Trafalgar Square thing was saying that 5G kills you and stuff, I thought it was hilarious that basically the person who financed it his bread and butter was this company that that relied on 5G to exist and so i was just being a bitch really i was just basically going ah, ha, ha you're all idiots you don't know what you're looking at and the bloke jumped on my my facebook page absolutely furious uh, and so I did a bit more digging and discovered that basically he was a Scientologist and there was two other Scientologists that worked for this company, which is called Exotech. Yes. One of them was a Lord called Lord Duncan McNair, that it would appear as a spy for the British government. Okay. <laughs> and, um, and basically what happened was John Briston jumped on and, and said, and found out that John, John Carlton was mates with John Mappin. Right. And and so Carlton outed himself. He basically went, "Well, I might be, and I might be a Scientologist, but I don't see why that's important." And it was so salute to I John. Remember, I remember this. actually. I remember this very but, well. Go yeah,
1: ahead.
0: but this is the other point is that people don't realize is you know, in order to put on a um, um, a protest in Trafalgar Square, mm-hmm. uh, you need to get permission from the um, uh, from the British government and from the local London Council. Right now, this. This um, this (laughs) this protest was billed as the uh, the protest or the march it was against tyranny basically, and I found it rather amusing that a tyrannical government would allow you to fill in the forms that allowed you to put on a protest against their tyranny. It's like it's a soft tyranny at best, isn't it? Let's be honest. I don't think I don't think in Nazi Germany like hair nazi man could i please um put on a uh a, your treatment of the jews it's a bit stiff isn't it could we put on an anti-nazi rally in the middle of the um uh, in the middle of the the the, uh, the thoroughfare no? Oh no 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 right fine okay off i go like it, it's bollocks isn't it this is the point people compare this like it's like nazi germany like being forced to wear a mask it's like no it's not like i don't like i i I really think that that sort of like is a bit hysterical to be quite honest but but anyway back back to back back to the grind so in september so we're (laughs) up to september in september (laughs) basically against the advice of the sage scientists so again basically going against the, the actual doctors and scientists the government sent all our university students back to university so basically you know hundreds of thousands of kids converged on um Universities, COVID went through the roof um, and they were all isolated to their halls of residence. And you know what was really strange, Billy? Like, really posh schools like Eton, you know, the private schools where the elite send their kids, they didn't go back. That's odd, isn't it? Yeah. They, they sent all the other kids back because it's vital. It's vital that these kids have get an They have to get education. back. They
1: have to be socially, uh, what is it, integrated and uh, for their mental yeah, health. Yeah, everything that they use. Right. Go ahead.
0: Desperately important. But but weirdly, they didn't, they didn't send uh, their own children back into this situation right here we go so in September the government released a letter published by a group of scientists including Sunitra Gupta, Carl Hennigan, Carol Sikora, Michael Yeadon and several others and they've been pushing for herd immunity since March and Gupta, Yeadon and Sikora had been on uh had been repeating several times again the lie that we'd already achieved um um, herd immunity, and that uh, lockdowns were more detrimental to the virus. And basically, again, this this seemed to be that they were really, really critical of of the uh, the government. And basically, you know, they were actually criticizing the government. It came to pass that this paper. And the, where they got the idea that the lockdown kills more or is, de- is more damaging than the virus itself, and this is another thing that's been repeated time and time again by the alternative media, that came directly from the UK HM Treasury, hmm. from, specifically from a think tank uh, owned by the Treasury, which is another PR firm called Economic Insight. It was the government, it was the UK government that said, lockdowns are more dangerous to the public than the virus. There was no evidence to this. It's just because the HM Treasury doesn't want to spend money. It's again, literally, that's what it is. Right. And everyone fell for it—hook, line, and sinker. It's, 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 it's uh, terrible, basically. And again, this paper was yet again um, promoted by Sir Gru Communications, which is the Nunch Unit. Now, um, when this was shown to sort of epidemiologists, this paper, like um, real sort of epidemiologists, they said, "Oh, uh, well, this is nonsense. This this is pseudoscience, and this doesn't actually um, follow, um, uh, stand up to basic scientific scrutiny." But what happened was the government. In September, they invited Sunitra Gupta, Carol Carl Hennigan, and the Swedish um, uh, guy, Anders Tegnell. They spoke at Downing Street in, in September to promote herd immunity. And after this meeting, they again went against the advice of the SAGE, uh, uh, and we didn't have a lockdown in September. We decided that we were just, we weren't, we are were going to have what was called a circuit break. And they didn't, because all of these herd immunity proponents said that a lockdown would be, would be uh, the worst thing to do. Now, what was really interesting was basically a week after this for no reason at all Anders Tegnell came on the television you know the Swedish guy and said I would strongly advise the UK not to go for herd immunity because it won't work not that that was what we were doing in Sweden because we definitely weren't doing that in Sweden (laughs) but I just thought I'd give you a heads up just You know, to be cool. And after that, he basically was sidelined. And since then, Sweden has had progressively harder and harder measures imposed because it's frankly out of control there. Mm. Um, Following this recommendation from these, he, he refused to impose lockdown measures on London. In October, 2020, the Great Barrington Declaration comes out. And this is another collection of so-called scientists. And this includes people like Martin Kuldoff and Jay Bhatia Archer and Sunitra Gupta. And again, they're promoting the concept of herd immunity. Now, again, you, <sighs> the Great Barrington Declaration is from, is, comes from a think tank called AEIR, which is directly funded by the Koch brothers or by Koch Industries now that one of them is thankfully dead. Um, Now, one of the signatories on the Great Barrington Declaration was a bloke called Patrick Fagan. Patrick Fagan was involved in Cambridge Analytica. He was literally one of the people that was was involved in the manipulation programs of Cambridge
1: Analytica. And strangely… Was was he um, involved with SEL before Cambridge came around?
0: I I think he was, but I don't know in what capacity. He's he's one of the sort of like, his name runs through that whole scenario. I remember
1: seeing that name is the only reason I'm asking. Go ahead.
0: And strangely, he's also on the board of PCR Claims, which is um, the organization that Michael Yeadon used to promote his concept that the PCR tests don't work. Hmm. So... PCR claims and Michael Yeadon is essentially backed up, and the Great Barrington Declaration, uh, and all of the people connected to that, for some reason, is backed up by members of Cambridge Analytica. This is insane, came-
1: This is insane, Isn't it, dude? It really is. Go, yeah. go ahead. Wow. Isn't it? Isn't it? Like,
0: it, again who are Cambridge Analytica? Cambridge Analytica is essentially the sort of the manipulation program that is a part of the British intelligence, MI5 and MI6, but is essentially financed tangentially by these same people, Heritage Foundation, Coke Industries, petrochemical and oil industries, and and, and that's basically what it it comes down to. And so, like, I mean, we've talked about this, like, the the links run through it as well. Patrick Hennigan, who's from the the evidence-based medical um, centre, it turns out that his um, uh, these, that think tank was set up incredibly recently with money and, and is exclusively run for the, at the behest of two people who were um, uh, uh, part of Trump's finances uh, for his 2016 campaign. Mm. So, again, it looks like this stuff that's coming out of o- Oxford and Carl Hennigan exists Purely and simply, again, to run interference for Donald Trump, like to make it look like like he's actually doing uh, a better, a a better job. Carol Sikora uh, as well. He works for the IEA the Institute of Economic Affairs, which is Koch Industries. And he used to basically work um, uh, for the Republican Party and for the Conservative Party. Like, um, And and when he was working for the Republican Party and the Conservative Party, you'll never guess what Carol Secura's main sort of like uh, thing that he was trying to press was the privatisation of the NHS. Oh, okay. So this is the point. This is is the same people. It's the same. It's the nexus of oil industry and service providers connected to Coke Industries and the Heritage Foundation that want you to. Uh, they want two things they don't want lockdowns because they want to keep making money through people working and through the oil industry and through international air travel and they don't care about the uh, the effects that this has on the uh, health industry because in america they are big pharma and in the uk their their strong hope is that basically um the nhs will will collapse right. because uh, so that they can privatize it uh, and um, yeah, th- this is um, th- this is the point. So this is why you've got Cambridge Analytica involved in the Great Barrington Declaration, um, and also PCR claims, which is to say, Michael Yeadon. Um, Michael Yeadon basically was revealed again. I don't know why, but there's a strong area of like racism that was running through this as well. Basically did loads of tweets of Michael Yeadon basically calling like Muslims goat fuckers and basically making some very very nasty comments about people of colour uh, and stuff like that uh, have resurfaced. And he tried to claim that, oh, that's nothing to do with me. But it, it was. It was like, you know, it's from, from years ago. And there was hundreds, hundreds of these tweets. So it's a bit weird. Again, for some reason, you've got the English Democrats, Vernon Coleman, you've got hardcore brexiters like richard tice and simon dolan you've got um, um you know uh, people like like michael Eden, there's, there's this weird right wing bigoted racism that's for, for some reason that i can't quite figure out is also sort of embedded slightly into uh, uh into this uh this um this nonsense uh, pcr claims it's also got links to the uk conservative party uh, because one of its uh, experts on economics is Geoffrey Peel, who was previously an area vice chair of the Conservative Party, a business spokesperson for Vote Leave. Surprise, surprise. Hmm. And the Northern Ireland chairman of the Brexit campaign for business for Britain. And he was also an, he was basically on an advisor to the Department of International Trade uh, from 2017 to 2020. So, again, we're seeing the same things. Conservatives, trade. On the board of the Great Barrington Declaration, it's got an oversight board called PANDA. And on the board of PANDA are Patrick Fagan of uh, Cambridge Analytica and Martin Koldorf. And also on the board of PANDA, which sits a- above the Coke Industries Finance Barrington Declaration, is Scott Atlas. Oh, there
1: goes Scott that Atlas.
0: Guy, yeah. yeah. Heard immunity here in the United States. Go ahead. Exactly. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, uh, so, yes, yeah, Scott Atlas, who was the advisor to, uh, uh, to um, Donald Trump. Uh, yeah. yeah, basically. Now, here's another interesting In 2020, December 2020, having been kicked off Twitter, Michael Yeadon started a Facebook news channel denying COVID and the PCR test called Unlocked United Kingdom. Now, you'll never guess who else helped start up this news channel with Patrick Yeadon. It was his good friend, Patrick Fagan of Cambridge Analytica. And it was also financed by a conservative party donor turned hardcore Brexiteer, uh, MEP Ben Habib, who had previously backed Yeadon's social media career. So again, it's the same people Right. So, at Christmas, basically, um, which was the sort of final thing before we actually finally did lockdown, the government just basically dilly dallied again. They did. They just said like, oh no, we're not going to lockdown. We'll do it in tears. Blah blah blah. You can have two weeks. You can have five weeks. You can have five days, whatever. And then right at the last minute, I think it was on Christmas Eve, they basically said, no, you're going to have to lock down. And now, did anybody do that? No, of course they didn't. Nobody, nobody altered their plans. Everybody did what they did. And we had a massive, massive spike in, in cases over, over Christmas. Now, like, that's that basically is, is sort of the case. But what what gets me right is that in the old media, We've been saying for the, for the last year that, like, oh, it's been all mainstream. The mainstream has just, like, towed the government line completely. And it's, like, it's really not true because you, you've got loads and loads of, like, outlets pouring scorn on the severity of the virus, like, and picking at figures and stuff like that. You've got... Um, Talk Radio, which is Murdoch owned. You've got The Times, which is Murdoch. You've got The Telegraph and The Spectator, which is Barclay Brothers. You've got The Mail, which is Northcliffe. You've got Lockdown Skeptics, which is Toby Young, who's connected to the Conservative Party. You've got Sky News Australia and Fox News, which are Murdoch. And basically, and then you've got Church of Scientology, Turning Point UK. Um, Rebel Media, One American News Network, uh, and and then a plethora of other people who basically sort of like Boston feeders sort of attach themselves to this within the sort of like either alt right or alternative media right. and are repeating the same shit over and over and over again. And and the what's the common thread? The common thread is that every single one of these people can be traced back to donors to either the Republican Party. Or to um, the Conservative Party, and and that's it. That that's that's my thesis on this. That basically the government went for herd immunity, and that all of this shit that's basically being parroted, sadly, by people within the old me- media that that makes you doubt that the virus is real or doubt that the as many people were affected as they were or doubt that as many people died as they did, it is specifically been designed by the UK's nudge unit to make you think that the virus wasn't as severe as it was. Why? Because if it wasn't as severe as it was, then the government, they didn't do as badly as it should. In fact, if anything, they did a bit too much. And we know that's not the case because even aside from like COVID deaths and and, uh, and um, uh, de conditions from COVID. We've got all the other problems as well, right? We've got suicides. We've got backing up of the hospital systems. We've got isolation, loneliness, and mental health problems, and businesses going under. And this is the problem as well, is that basically, cruelly, those things are u- being used to leverage Against the, the sensible measures, we should stop lockdown because people are killing themselves. No, we should help those people who might cure themselves. Mm. Right. And that's that's and it, and it gets really mean when you get in like people like Toby Young and Lawrence Fox and like all these like grasping, like self-serving wankers basically saying, oh, all these people are dying and committing suicide in uh, in lockdown. Fuck you, like these people were committing suicide this time last year and the year before, and they'll be doing it this time next year. And you didn't give a shit about them then, and you don't give a shit about them now, you don't give a shit about people's small businesses, but you're using that, you're using other people's suffrage as a fulcrum to leverage your argument so that you don't seem to be such a cunt. And that is the worst type of thing that that is is happening at the minute, and, and and it's sickening to watch, to be quite honest.
1: Wow, absolutely incredible, Neil. I mean, and to think that, um, you know, I, I I like to keep it at the political. Well, it's, it's still political, actually, right? Completely and totally. But you know, when you think of Cambridge, I think of of the election and all this other stuff. But then if it if, uh, gosh, if you, if you look at it through your eyes and and see where it's going, you know, and it's just. Uh, it's it's food for thought for for real to see what what's going on with us. At the very least, we know we've been infiltrated. I think, whether you agree with Neil or disagree with Neil, we've been infiltrated for sure. <laughs> that's one hundred. In what direction you think that goes, as the audience, that's up to you. I I think you should research everything that Neil has said here. Uh uh, you know, break out your pads and pens. It's a little late for that now because the podcast is over. But rewind it like uh. It's- like Inception or 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 some. If movie you want to like yeah. email me, right?
0: I, I've got the I've got the, the exact timeline that I've gone through tonight. I've got that written down. I'll email it to people. If people want to go, and then they can go and check, and they can check every single thing that I've said yeah. to show that it's true and who is behind these things. And like, I'm I'm very happy to do that because I get it. I do un- understand. That, that again, we've been primed to, to mistrust the government. So if the government are saying we need to lock down for our own health, it is natural and usually right to go, hang on, I don't trust these guys. But but again, this, this is what gets me right, is like I've got the majority of my knowledge about the COVID situation, not from watching the news and stuff like that, but from personal experience. Yeah. So what am I supposed to do? Pretend that I don't know. Like,
1: right.
0: I think it's how many people, I think I know 16 people who've died. Like, true. like wow. not all personally, very, very close to stuff like that, but people I've met. Right. right and right. I know people that have had long COVID and, and, but I didn't I know people that have lost their jobs yeah. and are having a right, hard time of lockdown and stuff. Right. Now, And these are all issues that all need examining and stuff like that. But what am I supposed to do? Like when people say, oh, there's no such thing as COVID and I've physically seen it, what am I supposed to do? Should I go,
1: Um,
0: oh, yeah, no, I'm wrong, aren't I? No, no. Like, because I thought this was the point. I thought this was the truth movement, right? Okay. And there's there's a few people within this that basically, like, they they picked a, a, a narrative back at the beginning of last year and now either they don't want to or they they're too arrogant or basically they just don't want to say to their audience i'm sorry i made a mistake i'm gonna have to go back on everything that i've said and and right and i i hate to say this right okay but it's important okay there are consequences to this you know if you are happy to um Take the glory of everyone telling you how clever you are for working this out and stuff like that. You have to take the consequences for bad takes and stuff like that. Some people have been advising people not to get tested, to ignore all social distancing, and to actually encourage behaviours that could be very, very detrimental and could even kill their fans. Right. Right? That's fucked up.
1: It is. It What's is. that
0: about? Come on, a bit of bit of perspective, yeah. I think.
1: And just because it's not going on in your neck of the woods doesn't mean it's not going on, right? So if it's a little less over by you when you think it's fake or whatever, yeah, I feel the same as you, Neil. Like, I mean, what am I yeah. supposed to say to people? You know, like I've literally experienced it. I've seen things, right? So what am I suppo- supposed to say? Like, what am I supposed to say? Like, I'm like supposed to ignore it and say, no, nah, that's probably all fake. No, I, I have to tell people what, yeah. what I'm seeing and then they turn around and, they, and say oh you're you're an agent and you're covering up for these people and all this other stuff that, that that couldn't be any further from the truth i'm sitting here in my kitchen guys okay <laughs> you know i couldn't be any further from the truth if i'm an agent at least get paid right i'm not getting paid i i'm i'm broke as all hell and anyway, we're in debt in school right now okay um but but yeah man like i i feel as you do man uh, like i've seen you know um uh, many of my friends, several of them, ha- have gotten sick with this thing, and I know people that just like you that not that I'm I'm close with, but that I've known that are dead. They're dead now. What am I supposed to say? Yeah, the PCR yeah. test doesn't work. The virus doesn't exist. You can't. You know. I mean, I can't say that. I. You know. No. I can't. You know. It's it's a real thing. It's something that's going down. Go ahead, Neil. Let's finish up.
0: Well, I mean, it's, it's difficult. To, it's difficult to go against the the, the grain. Like you know, I, like I've been getting shit for it for a year now, basically, for, for daring to say that's not correct. I can show you that's not correct. Right. 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 Um, now, again, like I'm starting to sound bitter. Like, <laughs> but, but um, the the one other thing that I would just would 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 really really highlight is. Don't blame doctors and nurses, because, again, there is a, remember, it was like they're using, they're murdering them by using the ventilators, which was a misunderstanding of of what exactly happened. And there is this concept that any excess death or any extra death that you've got is from doctors and nurses actively murdering patients and stuff like that. It's not that at all. And again, don't don't be so don't be don't allow yourself to be tricked by that, because what, again, is the point of that? It, 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 It takes the blame from the government. Yeah. It wasn't the government's incompetence and lack of care. It was. It was a specific, It was the uh, the doctors and nurses in uh, like malpractice. No, it wasn't. No, no, it wasn't. That this is the point. This whole thing, right? People think. Right. I don't think people have quite got my 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 shit. Right? Okay. What I'm saying. I'm not. I'm saying I'm not gonna go at anybody who's, who's been saying this. I'm saying that you, you're misdirecting it. I'm not trying to give the government a pass, right, okay, by saying oh, I I believe them about this. I'm trying to point out where you're accidentally giving the government a pass. Right. Right, okay. That's what we should be focusing on. None of this should have happened. Nobody should have died. Nobody should have got it. If they'd have taken it seriously at the beginning and and, and reacted correctly, then then we we wouldn't even be having this conversation, right? okay? The reason we're in this mess is because the government put us in this, and the problem is that they've released this very very clever disinformation campaign that quite a lot of people have fallen for. And the point of this disinformation campaign is so that you do not hold the government to account for these deaths,
1: right? As much as as much as uh, people criticize the government, I would say that government incompetence is underrated i mean it's Mm. you know they're incredibly incompetent but we 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 don't give them enough credit for the incompetence that they have um so uh, that's that's one thing there listen neil it's been it's been fantastic you did a great job at breaking this down what you know it's uh wow it's it's a tough situation and and uh you know we, we have to talk about it and we have to be honest with ourselves and honest with everybody else right that's that's the best we can do so um come to terms with it and try to figure out what the real is and try not to lie to people, right? That's that's the whole deal here. Neil, tell everybody where they can find you, bud.
0: Uh, cheers, man. Uh, uh, I'm available on neilsonsmindcontrol.com or uh, Facebook. Sometimes on Twitter. I'm on Twitter, but I'm usually I just use Twitter to go and sort of like whine people like Rudolf Giuliani <laughs> off. Do you know he married his cousin? No,
1: I did not know that. It doesn't <laughs> surprise me. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he accidentally Christ. married his cousin. Accidentally. Yeah, sure. Yeah. 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 He, he found out afterwards that they were cousins.
0: Uh, so much for his uh, his, his. I married domestic. my cousin.
1: I dyed my hair black and it's falling down my face. And I'm being sued for a billion dollars with a B because I talked a after lot of bullshit. A,
0: yeah, yeah. After doing um, a, a, a press conference outside a porn That's shop. Outside a fucking, my gosh. You no, know what, what? My a disaster favorite, that, bro. I can I My get, favorite I know we, we've got to finish but my favorite <laughs> bit of that whole debacle was the thing that got that like this, this is it. The year was so crazy that this barely even got looked at. That Indian lady that basically tried to say that the election was stolen because all Chinese people look the same. Get the fuck out and, of here. <laughs> I didn't hear that. Where was that. What was that about? Oh, maybe, dude. Like, I, I, I'm going to use a slur, but I'm quoting. Right. She said, well, they all look the same, don't they? If I see a group of chows come in here, how am I supposed <laughs> to know? It's like, And it... And even our lawyer sort of like looked at her like, "Oh my God, you just say, Jesus,
1: Christ. like, I know, <laughs> Oh my Lord, good Lord, yo, you gotta send me that, bro. <laughs> <Like> I got it <laughs> funny point, of, man. It's hilarious. It's wow. like, wow, wow, man. Uh, damn, that's that, th- that's not that funny, that- but it is. What's up, Neil? Go ahead, finish."
0: And then there was that drunk woman who's like sort of, she's a bit like Roger the Alien from uh, American Dad. Like. <laughs> she was great. I liked her. <laughs> the, the blonde woman.
1: Yo, Neil, man, it's always fantastic to have you on, man. We're going to have you on uh, more often. I do want to talk about, um, I'm going to bring you together with Recluse and Brissom and we'll talk about fourth generation warfare a little bit for the people, man. Uh, with uh, yeah, man. with uh, the documentary that you're in that we're doing, uh, hopefully it gets it should get done by... I think by the fall, I think it'll be ready, Lord willing. Cool. We still have to do some more filming, but I, I want to get you on to talk about that. And of course, yeah. man, the mind control, we need to sit down and have a serious conversation. Just put everything aside and just talk about the mind control. Because it's in reality- mind control.
0: right. control. This is my control. Exactly. This is the point.
1: It's right. narrative Everything. control, right? Okay. It's yeah. painting the pictures in people's heads, yeah. right?
0: Because if you can do that, okay, you've got people thinking that viruses might not be real, right? What's the point of having this discussion about where, like, the Nudge Unit and how this is helping? Do you know what I mean? Because you're already here, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And
0: and that's that's the point. This 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 is why all those people all of a sudden were everywhere on the internet.
1: Yeah, know I agree with you, man. It's uh, it's um. It's, i think it's the most listen the technocracy is something that 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 can't be uh overlooked but the mind control is something that we need to put right up there man because it's it's uh taking hold i think uh, i've never seen it this bad maybe it's just more evident now neil i don't know mm-hmm. but it's it's just been craziness it's been it's been i, I don't even know how to con- how to describe it to use the right words anyway okay closing mm-hmm. thoughts neil we're out of here man say bye to the people all right yeah just just again always just be be wary of any
0: information that you get examine it check it you know you're on the computer nine times at ten that you get something just check check to see if it's real
1: right right and, and if, if if you like it check it twice because mm-hmm. you, you don't want to buy into something just because you like it it's the Infinite Fringe ladies and gents thank you for tuning in we got some more programming for you coming very soon we appreciate each and every one of you thanks for the one million downloads man I really appreciate it guys uh, my name is Billy Ray Valentine Don't burn the place down until I come back, okay? No, 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 period. Just don't burn the place down. When I come back, still don't burn it down, okay? Take it easy. Bye-bye.